0: Steps into it, passes, caught, takes, sideline, touchdown!
1: to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am B.J. Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today, well, we've got a lot to cover in about 60 minutes here. Um, quite a bit has happened since uh, we last spoke. Of course, the 53-man roster was announced, uh, but now, as of today, as of this recording on Wednesday the 9th, we have just found out that a slight change, well, not necessarily a slight change, a pretty big change is going to happened to that 53-man roster with Daniel Hunter going on IR. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll do our typical Vikings uh, Packers preview heading into week one uh, and finish up with our picks for the week. So uh, one note here is that we with the regular season starting uh, shows will be moved from Tuesday to Thursday. So you get two shows a week uh, posting on Tuesday and Thursday morning. Uh, so keep an eye out for that on the Climbing the Pocket Network as well as Daily Norseman and then iTunes and everywhere else where I normally say at the end of the show. Um so let's just jump into it here and start off with this big news. So we were planning on just, uh, you know, kind of giving a brief synopsis or our synopsis of the 53 man roster, given that I assume that many of uh, you guys have already heard enough about the 53 and kind of formed your own opinions on where, um, where the Vikings stand. But with this news that just dropped this afternoon, uh, Daniil Hunter being uh, put placed on IR, which, um, it's not as severe as it once was with the rule changes, so Daniil Hunter will miss at least three games uh, instead of the typical six, which is you know somewhat good news, or at least relative to the situation, that is. Uh, but that's a big hole. Uh, that's a big hole. So, Drew, uh, your initial thoughts on the news coming out that Hunter is going to be uh, not only missing Sunday's game, but uh, the following Sunday and the following Sunday after that as well.
0: Yeah, that sucks. Uh, there's no way around that, and I think it gives a little bit more... Um Insight into why the Vikings did trade for Yannick and Gakwe. Um Yeah, you, know, you you have now a you know a stud pass rusher. I wouldn't put in Gakwe at the Neil Hunter level, but right. it does make sense that they wanted some insurance there, knowing that Hunter. Um, they kept the they kept it pretty quiet for what it's worth that he had this neck injury apparently that um, you know for the while I think the longest time the rumor was that it was a knee injury or whatever. But first of all, a neck injury not great uh, that. Sounds like something that could linger for more than three weeks. but
1: Also um, a dangerous injury, too.
0: Right, right. So uh, it makes sense that it's, uh, you know, to get Ngakwe in there. And now Ifadi Odenebo on the other side sort of still has that opportunity as a starter, which I know he probably initially uh, was pretty bummed about when the Vikings did trade for Ngakwe. But I, I, I think we're both pretty excited about it. Odenabo. Uh, I think yeah. we both think yeah. that he showed a lot of flashes last year and a little bit of role. And I think if he expands on that uh, with a full time starting role this year, I think he can really put up uh, and be productive and put up some solid numbers. So I, I it sucks. You know, you're losing a top five edge defender in the sport for uh, what I think could be, you know, four or five, eight games like it's not going to be something that's I don't I think it's going to be at least three weeks um for this neck thing so don't love that Uh, i think the vikings have thanks to rick spielman and his hoarding of draft picks they're able to get ngakwe here uh so that they could you know minimize the loss uh that otherwise would be if, if hunter was was absent
1: yeah so that point right there um that that trade for Yannick or Unique Ngakwe uh, certainly looks a lot, you know, a lot different in this lens now, right? Knowing that Hunter is going to be out for the first three weeks, certainly makes sense for the Vikings to trade a second and a fifth, uh, especially considering that, you know, when Teddy Bridgewater went down, they went ahead and traded a first to replace, um, you know, the quarterback position with Sam Bradford in the past. So there is precedent to suggest that, you know, when the Vikings feel like one of their key playmakers is missing, that they are willing to, you know, go out and get a big piece. Now, they did that and there's a couple of, you know, kind of side like pieces where you can silver linings, if you will. Right. Um, so you're missing Hunter for three weeks. Like Drew said, there's no way around that. That sucks. But that being said, you do give the opportunity to Odenigo to see what he's got. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen him in spot starter duty. I don't even want to. Call, it's not really even spot starter duty. It's more rotational duty throughout his career. Now he gets the opportunity to play at least three games. Um, as Drew stated, you know, a neck injury probably longer, potentially longer. I might, I probably should say, you know, you don't want to mess with neck injuries ever. Uh, that's could you know could potentially be career threatening if it's a nerve or something like that. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I wouldn't want my neck messed up. So, um, you know. The opportunity here for Odenigbo to get some snaps and some quality snaps at that opposite, uh, you know, a very good pass rusher, as you said, in Ngakwe. Um, the Vikings could have, you know, theoretically, if all goes well, Hunter comes back, hopefully at full strength. Uh, you've got Ngakwe kind of acclimated to the system a little bit more, and you got three weeks of experience, you know, playing alongside the you know, the guys in Minnesota. And then potentially you have Odenigbo as well, who's, you know, playing efficiently, hopefully. Um, And you've got three different pieces there that you can rotate in and out and have a really dangerous pass rushing attack. So, you know, it's a small silver lining, especially when we're talking about maybe the Vikings' best player, not just their best defensive player, but their best player, period, being out for three weeks. But, you know, Hunter Hunter is not the only piece, and I think the Vikings have done a pretty good job to sort of, you know, put a Band-Aid on this. Despite the fact that these first three games in kind of a strange season are probably more important than ever,
0: right? And I've I've spoken and written to if you're following me uh, with my written stuff uh, at length about how important a the Packers game is going to be, just because divisional games clearly made a big difference for the Vikings last year, and maybe was the difference between a first round bye or division title, and you know the wild card spot and then of course Tennessee week 3 is the other big game that I think those are the two biggest most important home games of the season for Minnesota um with those two opponents I, that's definitely going to be the, t- the the toughest two games that they have so it's um I don't uh yeah y- y- you're going to lose your potentially your defensive MVP you can make the argument for Kendrick's or Smith but um big loss in Gakway's there to kind of put a band-aid on it I guess uh, but you can still sort of feel that, that wound there. So uh, I, don't, uh, I don't have anything else to add besides, you know, I, I do trust Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer to be effective with their unique pass rushing schemes, defensive schemes. Um, they're, you know, best in the business as far as that's concerned. So um, if anybody can kind of get through this without a big loss, it's going to be the Zimmer-Patterson duo.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got – Odenigbo, who's been preparing to be the starter right he's been taking first team reps up up until what two weeks ago when that trade went down so he's more than prepared the vikings are ready to deal with this situation it's just simply not a situation i don't think any of us want to you know mm-hmm. want it to be a reality but unfortunately here we are uh but there are 52 other players on this roster and like i said at the show top of the show we haven't really discussed the you know initial 53 man announcement. so um I want to spend the majority of the show talking about the Vikings and Packers matchup since obviously I think that's why most of you are here. and of course, you know with the NFL season starting this week, uh, everyone's excited about that and you know have, has moved on from um, this. but just give me a couple of bullet points, things that really stood out to you about the initial fifty three. you know obviously in four weeks, you know there might be ten guys you know, a 10-person difference here. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just things that really stood out to you about this release, whether it's, you know, the depth chart itself or the players who were, you know, kind of the fringe guys who made the roster.
0: Right. Uh, I think the big one is the safety position. There, There's two of them. Uh, and then after that, there's, there's nothing, you know, and I had, it's something that I haven't seen. And we're kind of all waiting for that corresponding move, right? The, you know, some sort of, you know, signing a, a player that was weighed by another team, like a veteran, because there's so much going on with the league right now. Um, I mean, they did bring back and they have, you know, the added practice squad, of course. But on that 53-man roster and going into Sunday, as it appears now, as far as I know, is that Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris are the only two safeties on the roster. So, um, That you know, could change may, with the Hunter there, News. There is right. that. and it could. That could. Um, so, there's – you know, I think I saw somewhere that, you know, Harrison Hand would be the next safety up, uh, which you, you're you really hoping that those two guys don't get hurt is basically the point here. And then, um, you know, Dan Chazina, is that how say his name? The the speedy guy from Penn State? I um, believe so, yeah. I don't know how to say his last name for sure. I've been reading about it a lot, but I haven't actually heard somebody say it. But uh, the speedy receiver slash safety slash receiver again, uh, back and forth, back and forth. He
1: kind of looks like you, Drew. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll take that as a compliment, I think. Um,
1: He does. It's not a bad thing. He just kind of looks like you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, he that was kind of a surprise, too, I think. I think when people saw him kind of flipping flopping positions, they're like, okay, he's kind of an afterthought. And then with Alexander Hollins having such a great camp, you kind of thought he would slip in there as a receiver. And uh, that is not the case. So those are kind of the two big takeaways for me. Otherwise, most of the rest of the. Roster kind of filled out, sort of as expected. Maybe the one other surprising note would be like Aviant Collins maybe not being on the the 53-man yeah. on the offensive line there. But um,
1: especially with Vikings media kind of highlighting him as a focus player, um,
0: right? This, yeah, the
1: summer then he just doesn't make the team. That that's definitely a big piece. Um, the two things that stood out to me uh, first and foremost were kind of confirmation of what we were discussing earlier this year with Justin Jefferson starting out as probably the number three, number four receiver listed on this depth chart. Um, obviously BC Johnson getting that number two role opposite Adam Thielen to start with Tajay yeah. Sharp, probably the first we guy. Should know,
0: by the way, I think this where we're, I've learned based on some fantasy football drafts the last couple of weeks that teams like almost universally do that with their rookies. They put them, lower on the depth chart. Like J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore is the fourth string running back right now. Cam Akers with the Rams is number three. Like this is a common thing, at least for offensive playmakers. So For Justin Jefferson to be at three, I don't think it's anything – it's nothing nothing to worry about if you're concerned about him being, you know, a solid player in the league eventually. It's just the way it goes for rookies.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and that's true, but we did receive confirmation of that. So Jefferson starts the season um, as a rotational guy. Uh, the other big thing that really stood out for me is the Vikings drafted 15 players back in April. 14 of them remain with this team in some capacity, right? So yeah. the only one was uh, Brian Cole, the uh, safety from Mississippi State. He's the only guy of the 14 guys that Rick Spielman actually drafted, keeping in mind, of course, that all, of, all but one uh, undrafted guy was released and not added to the practice squad. But, you know, you consider the fact that Nate Stanley and Nate Stanley makes his team as a, on the practice squad. Uh, Josh Metellus, a guy I gave no chance. Uh, Kyle Hinton, Blake a couple of names that I don't think many people know a whole lot about, given the media coverage situation this year. Um, and then you got the Michigan State kid uh, Kenny Willikus, uh making making the team kind of by default on injured reserve. So all of those guys, and then of course KJ Osborne is going to step in and play a big special teams role here um a guy that i think you know was sort of a fringe draft player uh, when he was drafted i suppose and harrison harrison hand also makes the the team outright as well so uh that's awesome to see all the young guys that you know despite the situation they were in still be able to perform well enough on tape to give the vikings enough reason to keep them on the roster um and then two other small notes here the quarterback situation kind of adding on to what I was just saying, Nate Stanley makes the team, but so does Jake Browning on the practice squad. Yeah. Um, and then Sean Mannion, of course remains on the 53 man roster just, you know, to my displeasure, but the Vikings are keeping four quarterbacks essentially. Um, as a result of the kind of the COVID situation and they want, want to have at least, you know, that many guys able to operate the playbook. So, um, you keep you essentially keep four quarterbacks, two, of course, being in the 53. And the final note here, Abdullah made the roster again somehow. And I, this is one that just doesn't really make sense to me ever. I I, I don't get it. I didn't get it last year when he was just like, you know, a return guy essentially and a number three running back. And you have Mike Boone who, you know, he, he was okay when he was asked to be the starter, but he was pretty good beforehand. So you keep Osborne and Abdullah? Uh, that's kind of the one yeah. head scratcher for me. The rest of this roster looks about as advertised, but that one to me was a little bit strange. Um, and then, of course, you know, I could go on and on about Sean Mannion making the roster, but I won't do that to you today.
0: Yeah, I, well, one of the things I maybe wanted to get a quick take from you is, you know, with like Josh Rosen, for example, when he was like, go, is that something that you think the Vikings should have maybe – been aggressive about it maybe they were and he just preferred Tampa Bay I guess we don't really know that but um yeah for Sean you know, Mannion yeah always, yeah 100% yeah, of, of the
1: time the only thing is with Josh Rosen is and again this is hearsay 100% but people don't like his attitude and I have never really gotten I might have gotten a condescending vibe from Josh Rosen, but I've never thought of him as like a bad locker room guy. But if that is the case, then no, I don't want to bring him in for sure.
0: I don't yeah. care how he is on paper, it, but right. And we don't know that that's something that has fans sitting in our living right. rooms, whatever. It could be
1: completely know. ridiculous.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah. But then I was just wanted to t- a take on that. Cause that was one thing that I know some Vikings fans looked at and thought, well, Josh Rosen or Sean Mannion, one guy hasn't really been given a chance at all as a first round top 10 pick. And, uh, yeah. One has been a German backup for a long time anyway. Uh, and then I didn't even think about your point about Abdullah and, and Osborne there, but that does make some sense. So uh, they clearly like Abdullah as a leader though, right? Uh, I think yeah. that it, you know right. throughout the summer with the social justice initiatives, he's kind of taking a lead on that and I think it's rubbed off on a lot of the team as well. So I think from a leadership locker room standpoint, you kind of want to keep Abdullah in there. Um, but your point about the football logistics of you know what's his role gonna be, if they're already added Osborne as a return guy, uh, and you already have you know Cook Madison, Mike Boone in the backfield, having a fourth running back as a roster spot might be uh, you know uh, not the best usage of your spots, but we'll see what uh, happens when the the season kicks off here.
1: Absolutely. And you know, like I said before, the the roster on September, what second was when it was released? The roster on September second, very rarely looks the exact same on October second, right? So there could and be a number of changes here.
0: Be even more so the case this year. With I
1: would assume that too. Yeah,
0: very Absolutely. fast moving COVID list and IR only three weeks and the expanded practice squad rosters and everything else. Like there's, it's going to be moving quickly. You're going to see that transaction uh, wire yeah. is going to be a lot. It's going to basically be a traffic jam all year long compared to previous years
1: absolutely. I completely agree. All right. So I said, I wanted to focus the meat of the show on the Vikings matchup with the Packers here. And I let's do, let's do that. Let's jump right into that and spend, uh, you know, the majority of our, the rest of our time here uh, discussing this upcoming matchup. So of course uh, it is a home game. If you want to call it that right, they are playing at us bank stadium with no fans. So uh, that is the week one situation for the Vikings with their rival uh, NFC North team, the Packers coming to town. Um, couple of things here before we even get into this first of all with the media coverage being basically non-existent uh it's difficult to really get a good gauge on both of these teams you know obviously there are yeah. some good things with the vikings that we can obviously see um from what the team has showed us um, and there's some bad things too of course with the hunter news and you can say the same thing about just about every other team in the nfl packers included so uh this is going to be interesting because this really is the first time that we've done a preview without much to really go off
0: of. Yep. Um, No preseason games. No, even a look in at camp besides a few highlights at the team tweets or shares, you know, on their social channels, which of course they're going to promote their own team versus anything else. Uh, But yeah, this is absolutely, it's, it's what we're kind of going off of is sort of our perceptions of the teams last year can kind of going into the off season. So like, I kind of thought and I think you would agree with me that Green Bay was sort of uh, it was an anomaly. Right. Like they didn't right. dominate teams the way a 13 and three team should be dominating teams. And that's kind of why both of us think, OK, they're going to sort of uh, come back to Earth. Water right. will find its level there. Um, and so to me, I, I mean, I I think these are two very even evenly matched teams. Right. I think I've said throughout the offseason, the NFC North could be one with a nine and seven record. And I think it'll be Minnesota or green Bay at that spot. I think we did a quick schedule preview and we predicted each game. And I think I ended up actually at 10 and six, but um, something in there, I think will win the North. I don't think green Bay is a 13, three team. They certainly didn't draft like one uh, trying to win now. And then, uh, you know, Minnesota 10 6 last year, but I think the pieces gone specifically Stefan Diggs, And now Daniel Hunter uh, would, uh, would suggest that they're not uh, quite at that level, but Uh, Who's to say right now, I I think the Vikings and Packers, as it pertains to this rivalry, are very evenly matched right now. The games last year dictate or suggest that, because basically outside of one quarter in that first game last year, um, I mean, it was pretty evenly matched across the board there.
1: Absolutely. And I guess you could say that last quarter as well, when Adam Jones kind of ran away with – with yeah, that that's game right. in
0: week 16 or I yeah. won a uh, $500 fantasy football championship with that touchdown. So I'm not, I kind <laughs> of that, that yeah. touchdown.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I completely agree. And it was, it was too bad because I had Mike Boone as well. And I was hoping it'd be Mike Boone who would finish it off for me. Yeah. But of course, who's Adam Jones. So, um, all right. So uh, I'm with you. Um, a lot of similarities between these two teams in terms of what their ceiling is and their potential. Um, but let's get let's get into the individual position groups here for the Packers. Um, take a deeper look into how the Vikings match up. Since you know, for what it's worth, granted we are going off of uh, you know the the least amount of coverage we've ever had, but this is also a team that you know you and I and the rest of you listeners are probably the most familiar with. I mean. I hate the Packers, and I'm sure most of you do as well. And what that means is is that I follow them like a hawk. I'm curious with about everything that they do. I'm curious about the players they bring in. You know, I follow them about as hard as they follow the Vikings just because I want to know if they suck. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, seriously. So, um, so that's the good news here. And so we're, very, we're pretty familiar with a lot of these, you know, at least the household names, right? The big ones that are going to pop up during this offensive overview. Aaron Rodgers, obviously. We've been talking about him for, you know, half a decade. Um, Aaron Jones, who spent a lot of time on last year, Devonte Adams, of course, you all know how good of a wide receiver he is. Uh, there are some retooled pieces here, but let's, let's start with Rodgers here because the Vikings have historically defended him pretty well for the most part. Um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the broken collarbone game that a lot of kind of, you know, not so awesome. Vikings fans love to push on Packers fans. I'm talking about his entire career against Mike Zimmer. It just simply has not gone very well, or at least relative to his standards. So, uh, does that change this year? Are you with the, the cornerback situation? And the, the you know, Rogers ability to pick apart specific pieces on defenses, as well as anyone in the league, you know, maybe not named Tom Brady, uh, the Vikings have Holton Hill and Mike Hughes trotting out there for sure, and you'll probably see some Cameron Dansler and Jeff Gladney as well. And I feel like that's dangerous with a veteran, a very smart quarterback, a very savvy quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers coming to town.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, I I I i tend to lean on the point you made about Rodgers against Zimmer. Uh, you know, the Packers. I can't remember the last time they've really run up the score on Minnesota. I think it probably was 2016. Uh, Yeah, it had to have been that Lambeau game in 2016 when the Vikings DBs sort of gave up, and I think that was there was some speculation, locker room issues there with Newman and Rhodes maybe. But um,
1: that was a feels like that was that is a forever ago.
0: That is a poll, by the way. That is some some (laughs) memory going on in the brain right there. Uh, But that's the last time I remember the Packers offense looking stellar against the Vikings, and I might be wrong if I (sighs) I'm trying to think, but I mean 2018. You know, the Vikings should have won both of those games. You know, you get Daniel Carlson missing three times from like 30 yards uh, in that first game. Yep. And then they pretty easily handle him at, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, and then last year, Packers offense wasn't great either game. Uh, Aaron Jones had a couple of good games, uh, of course, with the long touchdown in the uh, second game to be put the dagger. But, I mean, it, it hasn't been Rodgers beating the Vikings for, you know, years now. And so I'm not as worried about him. And I, you know, me uh, enough to know that I've been a big Aaron Rodgers guy for a long time. Uh, He's been, you know, in his prime, I, I think he was the best quarterback of all time uh, in his prime. And I clearly, if you look at the numbers, you look at, you just watch Packers football games. He's not in his prime anymore. And there, it seems like green Bay too is sort of taking the opportunities away from him uh, and sort of limiting that as well. And they're kind of playing into the hands of the running game. And it kind of shows that, too, when they drafted A.J. Dillon. So I'm not as worried about Rodgers. And truth be told, I've already bet on the under for this game. So uh, I don't have a lot of faith really in either quarterback right now to put up a bunch of points. I think it's going to be a defensive game, which I think plays into the hands of Mike Zimmer in the way he likes to coach.
1: That's a it's certainly a fair takeaway. Um, the thing that worries me about Rodgers, a couple pieces really, is one he could still move right. He still as well moves around in the pocket as well as anyone in the NFL. Um, and well, I guess ops, not named Lamar Jackson that is. But um, Rodgers is dangerous to in that way to every team. But with Daniil Hunter out, uh, that makes me just a little bit ner- more nervous. Yeah. Of course, uh, Ngakwe's specialty is pass rushing, and you know he's not as great of a run defender. But Rodgers is pretty quick. He moves very, very well. Um, savvy. He's, he is savvy, and he manipulates the pocket extremely well. It makes me nervous with you know a guy who has two weeks in the Vikings playbook and Odenevbo, who I have confidence in. But I don't have like you know three two, three sack performance confidence in. I'm hoping that, you know he can be effective as a you know a player getting pressure. So that in itself makes me nervous because the Vikings don't have enough of it in the secondary at the cornerback position if pressure's not getting home consistently. Yeah. right? Um, the good news is as we get into this offensive line here, there are some flaws and some holes that the Vikings can potentially pick apart. But you think about the defensive line that they're trotting out there now, it got Ngakwe, Odenigbo, Jaleel Johnson, and Shamar Stefan, That just doesn't sound good enough to me to slow down Aaron Rodgers. You can might be able to neutralize him, but I don't see you know a definitive advantage like the Vikings normally do um, with that matchup. Now, the Vikings still have Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, so you have the ability to kind of you know take away that shutdown. Uh, and also confuse him as well with those two, you know, very athletic and uh, savvy linebackers, you know, patrolling the middle there. But that all being said, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. And that back shoulder throw to Devonte Adams.
0: Uh, oh, that's good. That's the thing that, is I've, we, we should by now already know that's going to happen four or five, six times in this game. Right. Adam's going to get, you know, that's one of those, two, like, it's not even a, a guardable defendable throw or play. Like if you type if the timing's right, that can't be stopped. So that's going to happen four or five times. Um, And I I feel like at this point I've gotten used to just surrendering Adams, you know, seven, eight catches for 70, 80 yards and a touchdown. in in the uh, Vikings Packers matchup, it seems like it happens every year and it's been on Xavier roads. And so that kind of leads sort of to the next point of the discussion here. I think where you were maybe leading to was the cornerback spot. Are we worried about it? I'm not really. And I think it's just because, you know i'm i'm okay with adam's getting his right yeah, i think that's, that's going hard. to happen and i have somewhat of a i have a a level of confidence in the other guys to shut down whoever else the packers receivers right, are, right. which is you know allen nazard's a big boy at 65 marquise valden scantling is a speedy guy um, but neither one of them are very polished or productive in their careers and so i you know they're they're it's it's working the same way right i think you know Vikings have Thielen and then a bunch of kind of unproven guys. The Packers have Adams and a bunch of unproven guys. So it kind of goes both ways there. Um, kind of I would imagine the Packers are thinking the same way as let's get let Adam Thielen get his and make B C Johnson or Tajay Sharp or Justin Jefferson beat us. Right. And I think that's what I kind of would like the Vikings to do is, you know, pay attention to Adams and let, you know, leave your other guys singled against Lazard or Marquez, Valdez scaling or whoever else is over there and uh, let Rogers try and pick that one apart.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, if, if, if you're right um, in Devontae Adams, just kind of shoots for, we'll say 85 yards on eight catches and a touchdown. Uh, I'd be okay have, with that.
0: I'd be happy. Be okay. With with that.
1: That. Yeah. Especially considering that it's what it's Holton Hill. That's slated to get to line up against them head to head. Right. I'm sure he'll get coverage over the top from Anthony Harris, but the, uh, that's kind of the, the the head-to-head matchup to keep an eye on. You know, if he'll keep them under 100 yards and, the, you know, Lazard, Lazard St. Brown, Valdez, Scantling, or Malik Taylor, who I don't even know, uh, if none of those guys make a name for themselves in week one and Adams just kind of does his thing, the Vikings should be in a pretty good position to win, um, assuming that they're able to get pressure on Rodgers to some degree. Um, and you look at this front five that they're going to be trotting out, now, this isn't a bad group by any means. There's still a couple of really nice pieces there with David Bakhtiari, of course, being a, one of the best left tackle, tackles in the league. Corey Lindsley being a former pro bowler. And, you know, the left guard, Elgin Jenkins, having a very, very solid rookie campaign last year. But there's real question marks about the right side, right? You got Billy Turner at right tackle, North Dakota State kid who uh, was drafted in the third round and bounced around before, you know, getting his uh, his bigger deal with Green Bay. There's real question marks there and his backup is Ricky Wagner who there's probably even more question marks about now given the contract that he received a couple of years back. So then you've got Lane Taylor who again not not a superstar by any means. So can the Vikings take advantage of these the holes on the right side and you know still manage to get some pressure off the left side? I mean if you can answer those questions with yes and of course and you you probably feel pretty good about your chance to win this football game, if you can get pressure off that right side, right. so yeah. it's 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 easier said than done, of course. But you know, if you can get pressure, keep you know keep everyone not named Devonte Adams in check, and just let Adam, you know Aaron Jones become sort of non-existent because the Packers don't want to use him anyways. You you probably have a pretty good chance to win this football game.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I, I am confident in Mike Zimmer. In this defense, even with out Hunter um, to kind of keep the Packers in check. They've done that for how many games in a row now it's been basically through the 2017 season dating back now, granted, 2017 obviously did not include Aaron Rodgers for about six or seven of those quarters. Um, but point being uh, Mike Zimmer seems to have the Packers figured out um, to where, all right. So it's really up to this offense to put up 24 points, 28 points whatever the case may be. Um, that's kind of where I am feeling about this game. The pivotal point, turning point, the X factor is going to be, if Kirk cousins can lead his team to four to five scoring drives, three of them touchdowns.
1: Well, let's, and, uh, let's jump if, in here right now. Yeah. Talk about, talk about that. Can Kirk cousins live, or excuse me, uh, lead four or five scoring drives against this defense. Now, we normally go level by level on defense, so let's do that again as we typically would. Um, starting with um, the three guys on the defensive line. Um, this is a 3-4 defense for Mike Pettin, remember, of course. So they'll have four linebackers patrolling. Basically, Preston Smith end up, ends up being a defensive end. But the three guys on the defensive line. You got Dean Lowry at the, D, at the DN spot, so essentially a five-technique. The nose, nose tackle is Kenny Clark, the stud, um, big deal recent, recently, um, probably one of the most dangerous pieces on their entire defense. And then the other five technique is Tyler Lancaster, who I don't have a whole lot to say about him.
0: Uh, one thing I will, I will mention about Lowry. If I, I saw a, I really, this, these are the type of things that I, I, what a good person would do is write down who the source is and then credit that person. But I didn't do that, but. Somebody I might have been a Packers person, actually, but he came across my timeline and they put together like a clip of Lowry last or both games last year, kind of um, sniffing out and staying disciplined on the play action rollout. Right. Like that was big for the Packers in both of those games was them defending the rollout play action game that the Vikings have been successful with all year long. And so he was really disciplined there. So that's an X factor in this kind of the X factor within the X factor. Would be Lowry and whoever I guess would be charged with that assignment this year on Green Bay's defense, staying home and uh not letting Kirk get out of the pocket on those rollouts instead, keeping him there and forcing him to kind of, you know, fall backwards away from the play and either throw the ball away or get rid of it or take a sack, whatever the case may be.
1: Absolutely. It's really important too that the Vikings front five get a push. I mean, that's that's important every week. Uh, but Kenny Clark is most effective because he can take on two blockers and still get pressure, right? So if you know, if you are going to allow that to happen, allow a defensive guy to take up to man two of your offensive linemen, he better not be getting a pressure as well. So really that's the difference here is when the Vikings are double teaming Kenny Clark up the middle, um, can they keep him from getting, you know, m- you know, messing up that pocket, murking up in that pocket enough for Kirk Cousins where he can't step up and throw. Uh, that'll be a big thing to watch um, come Sunday. Uh, the other piece here. Is that, you know, the linebacker Preston Smith and we're kind of getting into the second level here um, coming down and being, you know, one of, you know, one of the most dangerous him and Zedaria
0: Smith Smith, both. It's just two of them being
1: extremely dangerous coming from both sides of the defensive line as well. You don't know which one's going to have his hand in the dirt. You don't know which one's going to be over the middle. But you you do know that probably one of the two, if not well, I shouldn't say one of the two because sometimes it's both. They they're going to come after you, and there's going to be a lot of different fronts that the Vikings will look at. Uh, Mike Petton employs multiple different types of stunts. Uh, the style in which these two guys have been deployed since you know the beginning of last season has been basically you know different every single week. There's no there's no trends other than the fact that these two guys are creating pressure. So you have to be concerned about that. If you're going to allow Kenny Clark to eat up two-year blockers, well, that means someone's going to be free. Uh, you don't want that to be either one of the Smiths because chances are they're going to get home if that's the case.
0: Yeah, and we know how Kirk Cousins handles pressure. Uh, it's not awesome most of the time. So uh, that's obviously a big part of this game too. And they, you could make the solid argument that the Smiths kind of wrecked the Vikings-Packers games last year in both cases. And again, I think the first game in particular was very much due to Kirk making a few mistakes. Uh, the interception, in the back of the end zone is definitely one of those mistakes. Um, but you know, that start, those things start with pressure. And so uh, neutralizing those guys is going to be huge. Uh, getting the running game going is going to be huge. And I don't think, I don't think Dalvin's, you know, had a huge problem with green Bay before, but uh, I think, you know, that's uh, I know, in the, in the uh, week 16 game last year against green Bay, there was no Dalvin. There was no Madison. Right. And there was virtually no running game. Uh, I don't know if that's a direct correlation, but it's certainly uh, a big reason why the Vikings had like four first downs in that game was just because it was Kirk kind of doing what he, you know, by himself in green Bay was right there waiting for the pass. So, uh, and I would imagine too, as you kind of move to the linebacker spot, you know, for green Bay, they didn't bring back Blake Martinez. And I think to have Christian Kirksey in that kind of that role right now, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that's not quite filling that that hole, uh, you know, to the best the way you can. And I would imagine there'll be a somewhat of a drop off there in at Green Bay's second level uh, in that three-four defense.
1: Yeah, especially because Kirksey's playing next to Oren Burks, Vanderbilt linebacker. So uh, the two inside pieces are. N- you know, I, I don't want to jinx the Vikings here, but neither of them are you know guys that show up in the newspaper a lot, right? Um, you don't hear much about Kirk, Kirksey or Burks. That's because neither of them are super influential players on this defense, but uh, they do have a role. And it's for what it's worth, it's very hard to exploit inside linebackers, especially if you're able to get the pressure that uh, uh, that the two Smiths can get off the edge, right? Um, it becomes a matter of well, if you get to the second level, and that means. You know, can the Vikings offensive line get enough of a push to give Dalvin Cook some space to make these, you know, to make it hurt? The fact that they don't really have a lot of talent directly up the middle beyond Kenny Clark. If Can you get past Kenny Clark? And if so, you might be running for a few days. So something to keep an eye on as we get into this third level of the defense now. Now, there is not necessarily star power here, but there's definitely name recognition within the secondary for the Packers, right? The, the four main names being the first round pick last year, Darnell Savage. Yeah. Uh, the acquisition from Chicago, a former what fourth round pick in Adrian Amos, um, the other safety. And then the two guys on the outside, you get the former first round pick, Jair Alexander, who never stops talking. And then you've got Kevin King, who I liked quite a bit coming out of Washington a couple of years ago. I believe he was also a first round pick, first round pick or a second round pick.
0: Yeah, he was remember. an early rounder. Uh, the. Alexander, you know, you mentioned him not talking, not stopping talking. He is like a light version, sort of of like, you know, I don't want to say Jalen Ramsey, but like it's kind of got that swagger to it. I, I might say
1: Jalen Ramsey. That might because, be fair.
0: Like, it's like, I'm not going to put him in that category, but it's sort of like if there was like a, a second tier of corners in the NFL, I think he would be the Jalen Ramsey of them, if that makes sense. Like talks a lot and he kind of tries to get that mental edge on you. Um, and, you know, he, he and the Thielen, have had some solid battles the last couple years. Um, and same with he and Diggs. You know, I think last year, Diggs beat Alexander, I think, for at least one of his touchdowns. It might have been that. I can't remember if he beat, was it both of them?
1: I think it was two, yeah.
0: Yeah, he beat him for both those touchdowns. So it's not like Alexander is unbeatable, but he's certainly... Uh, he is one of the better shutdown corners in football,
1: and he's a gambler so, too. He's dangerous yeah. in the same way that Marcus Peters is, is. Peters is is that he can jump right in front of a ball and take it to the house. Right, like once right. he gets the ball in his hands, it's very dangerous, and he has a knack for kind of jumping those routes, especially the comebackers. Uh, it, it's not the type of guy who's going to out jump you in the end zone. Like you don't have to be super nervous of that. But he is a guy who's going to jump in front of a crossing route, for example, or a comebacker, you know, that a wide receiver just didn't get enough of a step on. Uh, He is that type of player, and he really makes it hurt. Um, But Amos was not – Amos was pedestrian last year in Green Bay, right? I mean, he was okay, but he, he was a stud, absolute stud in Chicago. And last year in Green Bay, he was just meh. He was all right. You know, he was there. He was doing his job. And Kevin King, I think, is kind of the weakest link here. And the guy that, you know, if you can find a way to get Thielen matched up on him, whether that's by using shifts, motions, whatever, uh, that's the one-on-one that you want. If you can find a way to get Adam Thielen straight up on Kevin King, the Vikings are going to win that matchup, I think, nine times out of ten. So keeping in mind, you know, this group here on defense, um, is there – what is kind of the biggest factor – for you for the Vikings like if the Vikings are going to win this game what do they need to do against this defense to win
0: I think it's going to be up to a second receiving option whether that's Irv Smith whether that's yeah. Justin Jefferson Ty J. Sharp BC Johnson
1: there isn't Somebody... a lot of help to cover Irv Smith by the way that's right a good point
0: anybody to kind of step up because I think it's going to be fun by the way to watch Alexander and Thielen I would assume that Green Bay will want Alexander to sort of shadow Thielen um, we don't Confirm that, in a lot of times, um, when we, you know, we hear, oh, he's going to shadow this guy, it doesn't happen 100% of the snaps. But right. um, I think if Kirk can find a chemistry with one of those other receivers this week, um, while kind of, you know, while Thielen wins his too, right, gets his um, against Alexander, I think that will help the Vikings quite a bit. Key third down conversions there, where he doesn't have to, you know, have to force feed the ball to Adam Thielen. Uh, I think that'll be big. So that's kind of where I think this game going to hinge is which offense can find that second receiving option behind their star and make the most out of that player, win the most matchups from that spot. And I think for the Vikings, I don't know. I would imagine BC is going to be the favorite to sort of get the most reps there. Sure. Um, but if it's him, I don't care who it is. Justin Jefferson, Tajay Sharp, Irv Smith Jr. Could be that guy as well. I think that's going to be key because the last couple of games, or the games last year, Vikings didn't get a passing game going, uh, besides a couple maybe explosive plays to Digs. So, kind of filling that spot is going to be important to me.
1: You also, you know, on the on the offensive side of the ball, then with you taking care of the defensive side of the ball, um, if the Vic, if the Vikings defense, uh, I should probably phrase that horribly, with you covering the Packers, how the Vikings offense could beat the Packers defense on the offensive side of the ball. She, I don't ok. You guys know what I'm talking about. I, I'm tongue twisted. I don't know what to say. ok. So for the Vikings to beat the Packers offense, okay? Uh, to to me, it kind of comes down to what the Vikings offense is doing, too, right? So, in my opinion, if Dalvin Cook has more rush attempts than Aaron Jones, the Vikings are going to win this game. because to me, the, whoever controls the clock better. The analytics crowd the hates
0: that take. By the way, the analytics yes. crowd hates that take about the rushing attempts.
1: <laughs> I, 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 my point isn't that if your running back runs the ball more, you turn up more yards and therefore win. It's more that if your running back carries the ball more, it's probably because you're winning and yeah, you're yeah. running down the clock, right? So. Yeah. To me, that's the difference in this game here is Dalvin Cook or Aaron Jones used more because to me, if both of those guys got 20 touches, I like the Vikings chances. Right. I like the chances of Dalvin Cook rushing for an average of four and a half yards and potentially having a couple explosive plays. You know, the same can be said for Aaron Jones, I suppose. But to me, that's the difference maker here is the Vikings offense efficient enough to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, as we've been trying to do for what, a decade now? Is the Vikings offense efficient enough to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field and keep Aaron Jones from, you know, make him one-dimensional? Right. We've been we've been saying this for years. If you can make Aaron Rodgers run it one-dimensional, that's the best chance to beat the Packers. That really hasn't changed, you know, since we started recording podcasts. So uh, that leads us into our picks, and the, we'll start with this Vikings-Packers matchup. Um, who do you got?
0: I uh, I said this before about these games. In the Vikings-Packers rivalry, I default to the home team, even though there's not much of a home field advantage in this game. Uh, I'm still going to take the Vikings just based on that fact. Uh, but I think, you know, if anything tells us about, you know, the history of this rivalry the last couple of years, it should be a good, fun game, close game. Um, I, you know, I'm taking the under two. So hope, I'm hoping for a defensive battle that Mike Zimmer can, can pull it out in the end.
1: So I didn't say this at the top of our analysis, but the Vikings are currently at minus two and a half on Bovada. So Vegas says the Vikings are going to win. I am going to agree with Vegas uh, for a lot of the reason that we've already stated, right? You know, I, I think the Vikings are more built to win. I, I, I stand with what we said all of last year, that 13 and three was a fluke. Uh, this isn't, I just don't think it's that complete of a green Bay team. You, It's hard to win with three offensive players and that's it. And that's what the Packers have right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think the Vikings defense will do enough, and I think ultimately they'll get a win here. Um, you know, I I think it'll be, it'll be by a small yeah. margin. It'll be something like twenty four to seventeen or something like that. Um,
0: but I by do the think- way, I'm super curious to see. I'm super curious to see how the Packers use a- AJ Dillon or if they do at all. Right. <laughs> Second round pick, and they've already been using Aaron Jones like way way less than they should be Uh, because I think he was playing 50-55% of the snaps last year with Jamal Williams also rotating in, like, way too often. And they draft this other guy. You have to justify drafting a running back that high somewhere, somehow. So I'm curious about that. Not that A.J. Dillon's bad. Like, I've never tried to say that A.J. Dillon is a bad player. I just did not like the draft pick, and it made no sense to me. Yeah, the fit's weird. So I am curious about that, because I don't have Aaron Jones in a lot of fantasy leagues this year like I did last year, but... I would be upset if, you know, A.J. Aaron Jones is surrendering even more of his touches to this rookie that they didn't need to draft at all.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're both on the Minnesota train for week one. Let's get into the rest of the NFL here. Uh, if you weren't with us last year for our picks, uh, basically what we do is we just give kind of a short blurb on each game and both of us pull a pick out of our ass. That's kind of how this yeah. works. And then uh, at the end of the year, Drew and I uh, you know, check out the totals and Drew usually wins. That's kind of how this thing works. Do do
0: you have the records in front of you from last year, or no?
1: I don't have them in front of me, but I know you beat me by about sixteen games
0: last. Yeah. Okay. It Uh, it wasn't close last year. That part, the the actual records aren't aren't really important right now. We just got to get that part (laughs) out.
1: All right. So the Thursday night game features your two uh, very rich quarterbacks, Deshaun Jackson. Excuse me, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, This is games being played at Kansas City. Not that it matters all that much. Uh, hey, they and, got
0: 2,500 fans, I think, or 12,000 or something like that. A something. small number of fans will be at this game.
1: All right. So who wins it? Super Bowl uh, champs City. or the City.
0: Houston. I just, like, what is it? What's there besides Deshaun Watson? I mean, you have
1: David Johnson and Brandon cooks. You
0: have speedy receivers. You have, have cooks and Fuller who are speedy receivers. They run fast. Um, they just, they, they signed that ta- uh, Tunzel, right. To a yep. long-term deal. Yep. Uh, I mean, they JJ, is JJ Watt healthy? I don't even know. Half the time he's not healthy. I don't know. Right. Uh, so there's like, like here and there, there's like star players on the Texans, like you know Watson, Tunzel, Watt. But then like, there's just after that, the roster is not awesome. It's not awesome. And then that trade for David Johnson and getting rid of I, I, I will never understand that one. So uh, I, I mean, and the Chiefs are unstoppable. It seems like so. I'm going to Kansas yep. City in, in in big fashion.
1: I'm going with Kansas City as well uh, for all the reasons you stated, and uh, Kansas City is basically the same roster as last year, plus Clyde edwards Hilaire, like, <laughs> They might be better this year, so yeah. uh, I'm going to take Kansas City until set, and you know, basically against anyone until proven otherwise. So, uh, Kansas City for Drew and I. Seattle and Atlanta is the next one up here on the docket. Uh, Russell Wilson against Matt Ryan. We are playing in Atlanta, not that it really matters all that much. Uh, Seattle went through some changes. I guess Jadeveon Clowney departs. Uh, Devontae Freeman is no longer in Atlanta. So you're going to see some changes there as well. Uh, but Gurley. it's still the... Yeah, it's the, it's the Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley show there. Um, and then DK Metcalf answers his sophomore campaign uh, with Tyler Lockett playing opposite him uh, and Chris Carson, of course, in the backfield. So who, uh, who gets out of this one alive?
0: I'll take Seattle. I don't love that pick, though. Um, but I'm going to... It's more about Russell. I think Atlanta's roster is actually better, but I think Russell Wilson just will make some stupid play to bring Seattle over the top by like a couple points at the end.
1: So I'm going to take Seattle as well, uh, but I'm not going to use objective or subjective reasoning here. Uh, I'm just going to use the simple fact that Atlanta always loses week one and we never can explain it. They always have like a great roster headed into week one and they're an easy, they feel like a, you know, uh, a no brainer bet. And then they find a way to lose. And Seattle's actually a good team, so um, I think they're going to find a way to lose, to lose here as well. I'm going to take Seattle too. So, uh, Drew and I are on the same picks through three here. Um, the Jets at the Bills. I'm not sure that that's going to change with this one. Yeah. Uh, Josh mean, Allen and Stephon Diggs against Sam Darnold and what? Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims. Uh,
0: Denzel Mims, I forgot about him. And, <laughs> I, I'm picking Buffalo. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not on the Buffalo train as much as many other other people are, but the jets are that bad so i'm picking the bills
1: i'm also going to go with buffalo i don't trust josh allen but i also don't trust sam darnold I, mean, I josh allen takes a lot of heat for his accuracy issues sam darnold what has he done why hasn't anyone you know called him a bust yet he hasn't done anything particularly well I, I just don't think the Jets are that good. And Le'Veon Bell last year, least efficient season of his entire career. I don't expect that to change.
0: That is why you don't pay a running back.
1: Oh, there you go. It's the perfect commercial for it. So I'm taking Buffalo as well. Uh, Chicago at Detroit. Uh, This could be an interesting one. Uh, It sounds like Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback for Chicago. They Ah. still have that very good defense, uh, but the running back situation hasn't really been resolved. David Montgomery, uh, Tariq Cohen, who's going to be the guy there. Um, and then Detroit has, you know, a pretty efficient aerial attack, assuming Matthew Stafford doesn't have COVID-19. I mean, you got, you've got Kenny Galladay out there. you got TJ Hawkinson entering his second year. Uh, Marvin Jones, of course, returns yeah. to action. I mean, and then they've got three running backs. Um, Kerryon Johnson is finally healthy again. Adrian Peterson hilariously is in Detroit. Um, and there is one other guy yeah, that I
0: – DeAndre Swift.
1: DeAndre Swift, rookie out of Georgia, right? So you've got all of these different pieces for Detroit. That offense looks pretty good.
0: Yeah. Uh, who gets to win? Detroit. I think Detroit's winning this game, and I don't think I actually like Detroit a lot in this game. I, I don't know if you have the spread in front of you. Um, this is what I'm going to consider now that I listen to uh, you know all those weapons that you just listed off. Now, Chicago's defense still good. Um, Minus
1: three for Detroit is the spread. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I see that. Okay. I was hoping Chicago would be favored or something stupid. But, uh, yeah, And if if the Bears start Mr. I'm not picking them. Like, I don't care who they play. I'm not picking them. So uh, I'm picking Detroit. And, again, I'm picking against the Bears unless they get a new quarterback. So (laughs) that's that's the way it's going to be right now.
1: I'm going to take Detroit just because I think that offense is going to be sweet to watch. I mean, Matthew Stafford's no slouch, and he's got a lot of great pieces to work with now. Um, and Chicago, I mean, they weren't that great last year. They're probably gonna be. What what reason is there to suggest that they're, they're gonna be better? Be better?
0: Yeah. yeah, no, there's not. There isn't one.
1: There isn't one. So I'm gonna Montgomery Detroit, by the way too better.
0: is is out by or out for two, three week, four weeks or something like that. So
1: okay, well
0: there you, there you go. 120 pound treat Cohen carrying the rock.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take Detroit too. All right, uh, NFC East here. Philadelphia heads to the Washington football team. That's going to be – I'm going to forget to – I'm going to say that wrong 50 times this year. Uh, So it's going to be Dwayne Haskins under center against Carson Wentz. Uh, You've got a retooled – well, honestly, both these teams are kind of retooled. I mean, uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are still out there at wide receiver. But Jeffrey, of course, as always, is questionable. You've also got Jalen Rieger out there, uh, the rookie who everyone was pissed about in Philadelphia that they selected in the first round. Uh, but Washington and then you've got Washington, who um, who is the, who is the what's the running back's name out of Russia uh, out of Washington that's getting making all the headlines now, uh, especially Gibson? Gibson, Antonio Gibson. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of different pieces here. The main question in this game that kind of answers whether who's going to win it uh, is, do you think Dwayne Hass is, in, is any good? And does he have a chance now with Ron Rivera as his head coach?
0: Yeah, I mean, he does. I, I think Washington will be a lot better this year. And I think one thing that's not being talked about is Alex Smith is on the 53-man roster. Hilarious. For Washington. Ridiculous so I say. that's, you know, I, I I mean, I understand Washington not playing him, but like, you wonder if they maybe wish the timeline would have been a little bit different and gotten greedy with Smith's return and been like, all right, let's actually play Smith here. Haskins can wait a little bit and um, develop a little bit more, but uh, I I'll take Philly. I don't love Philly this year either. Um, I think that that run that they had at the end of last year was just, uh, it's not going to be replicated. I don't even know who's their receiver right now. Like, did they add somebody? I mean, Elton Jeffrey, I think is still there. Jalen Okay. Okay. But like, OK, so you have Jeffrey, who I think wanted to trade or was going to demand a trade or they were trying to trade him or something. And then Rager and then you have who else? Sanders and, and, and Ho- have-
1: Sanders and Howard in the backfield.
0: Howard's not there anymore. Uh, you have uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard is probably the best receiving tight end duo. But anyway, we're talking too much about the Eagles. They're going to probably win this game. Um, Boston
1: Scott but- is the backup now with <laughs> Howard.
0: Boston Scott. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take Philly. I don't love either team though this year.
1: I'm going to take Philly too. I don't like either of these teams. I just don't like Washington more. They're just bad. They're always are. I mean, maybe they can turn it around, but until proven otherwise, they're bad period. Um, Next one here, we got the Las Vegas Raiders uh, getting the opportunity to play on the road against the Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina Panthers. Who do you got in this one?
0: Uh, Panthers. Uh, The Panthers are my sneaky number seven playoff team. Number seven seed playoff team this year in the NFC. Mostly because I just want to root for Teddy. But uh, I think that offense could be sneaky fun with uh, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson now, uh, Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a sneaky fun. And of course, McCaffrey. Uh, so that's going to be a, a fun one to watch. I think the Panthers win this game.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Carolina as well. I think that Las Vegas is, you know, not doing a terrible job rebuilding as much. Like like John Gruden got a ton of, you know, crap or whatever when Khalil Mack got traded and whatnot. But he's done a pretty good job rebuilding this team, but they're certainly not there yet, right? They, they've got a couple more years. Um, Henry Ruggs should be fun. I don't think he's I – don't, I don't see an explosion in week one for him, though. So it, it's going to be the Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr show. I just don't see that getting, getting it done against uh, McCaffrey and Bridgewater. So um, I'm going to take Carolina as well. So we are 100% in agreement so far. Um, heading into this next one, Indianapolis at Jacksonville. I don't really see that changing.
0: No, no. Um, Jacksonville might go 16
1: Yeah, this I've is a 16
0: team. Such disdain for an organization from players that just played on the team. Like every player that leaves – has been talking, you know what, about that organization. And every good player that's there wants out. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, I don't. There's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know yet. And it's honestly, it's surprising that it hasn't been looked into more because, you know, unique has had things to say. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette. Ronnie uh,
1: Harrison last Ronnie week. Ronnie
0: Harrison, yep. Like, these guys, every one of them, they get out of there, and they, you know, say some stuff. And it's not a, it's not a thank you to Jacksonville. I really appreciate everything you did for me. Blah blah blah. It's nah nah. I gotta get out of Jacksonville. My time is done. All this stuff. I, I, it's it's bizarre. Uh, I'm taking the Colts. Uh, A very well
1: run organization, with the exception of the drunk owner, by the way, in Indianapolis.
0: Correct. Correct. Yes.
1: So I'm going to take Indianapolis as well. Uh, I don't think I need to justify that any more than you already have. So moving on to the next one here, Cleveland at Baltimore. Um, The perception on Cleveland has dramatically changed since last year. Um, And the perception of Baltimore, or specifically their quarterback, has also dramatically changed. This might be the the, the 1B uh, to the Chiefs 1A in the AFC. So uh, does Baltimore escape? Uh, week one with a uh, without being upset by Cleveland um, and Baker Mayfield?
0: I think so. Uh, you know, I, I do believe in the Browns this year, but not to the point where they're going to go on the road and beat Baltimore. So um, I will take the Ravens.
1: Yep, I feel the same way. I think that Cleveland will rebound. I do think that Beckham's going to have a better year, um, despite kind of the ridiculous news surrounding <laughs> his name right now. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that, but feel free to Google Odell Beckham and see what comes up. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to go Baltimore. I think Lamar is going to have another great season, assuming he can stay healthy. And that offense has really only gotten better since last year with J.K. Dobbins. So uh, I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, Next one here. We got the Los Angeles chargers against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Joe burrow. I guess I believe it's going to be Tyrod Taylor did least to start for the chargers. Um, Mike Williams is questionable. Keenan Allen is still there with his new contract extension. You got Austin Eckler, um, is the lead guy in the backfield with Melvin Gordon gone. And Cincinnati just paid Joe Mixon. He'll start with, I believe, A.J. Green actually on the field opposite Tyler Boyd. So uh, this could be an interesting match of two swing teams here um, that did not play well last year. Uh, and they got the picks for that reason. Uh, but they could potentially be, you know, a little bit different this year.
0: Yeah, the Chargers defense is, is loaded. Uh, There's a lot of guys on that defense. Uh, I'm going to pick the chargers because of that. Um, That's not a defense you want to go against in your first career start. I don't care how cool, calm, collected cool Joe Burrow is. Um, You know, I I think that I think the chargers defense will prevail here, but I do like the pieces around Burrow. And I think with time, you know, he'll kind of, I want to say thrive if that's the right word, but I think he'll, come into his own down the stretch of the season. I just don't, I think week one against that defense is a little bit too much to ask.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers as well. And you, you talk about that defense. I mean, Lindfeld Joseph hops over there back to being a true nose tackle um, with Joey Bosa and yeah. Melvin Ingram next to him. And then you've got Kenneth Murray, the rookie up the middle, Casey Hayward, Nazar Adderley, Adderley, and Chris Harris in the, in the, the secondary. Yeah, if I'm Joe Burrow, that's not the defense I want to face week one. I'm going to also take the Chargers. Now, this one, I think, is going to create a schism between us. Um, and probably the biggest and most exciting matchup of the weekend, the NFC South uh, week one matchup between the Buccaneers and the Saints. Yeah. Now, last year, you call me crazy for, all, for saying all these things about this matchup. This year, we've got Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, and uh, AQ Shipley joining this roster um, on top of the fact that they already have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as well. Uh, they head to new Orleans to face off against probably one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. Top to bottom uh, drew B drew breezes potential uh, swan song here. Alvin Kamara, um, Michael Thomas coming off a historic season as a receiver. Um, who do you have in this matchup of NFC South, NFC South Titans?
0: See, the I don't the Brady to Bucks thing to the Bucks thing is weird for me because it gives me this weird far to Minnesota vibe um, and it that's the only, I mean it, that's the only reason I kind of have this high expectation for Tampa Bay I'm going to pick the Bucks I think there's a weird sense of like Bruce Arians and Brady could actually be awesome and it's something that it doesn't seem like a fit really right because Winston was sort of this let it fly down the field 50 yards without really looking at where you're throwing. Uh, And that's kind of the opposite of what Brady has been in New England the past couple of years. But for whatever reason, I think letting Brady kind of rip it a little bit more and kind of giving him sort of the, okay, the green light to do that, I think might, might bring back um, some of the, you know, 2007 Brady uh, type of performances. So that's more of a gut feeling than anything, but I'm going to take Tampa Bay for that reason.
1: All right, so I'm going to take New Orleans here. Um, I like Drew Brees at this stage in his career more than I like Tom Brady. Um, and I like uh, – I like I just – I think that New Orleans is the best team in the NFL. They're my Super Bowl pick, and they really are – they have they kind of have been my Super Bowl pick for the last, like, two or three years. Um, I think it's going to be them and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think – like, Tom Brady's still good. I, I don't think he's great anymore. I think that Drew Brees can still be great. Um, And to me, that's the differences between those two guys, because like you said, I mean, Bruce Arians is going to try to air it out. Sean Payton is going to try to do the same. Um, And then you get two dramatically different running backs. I mean, I'm going to take Alvin Kamara's style of play over Leonard Fournette's all day long. So uh, I'm going to take the Saints here. But I do think that this could be a really fun one. You know, 49 to 45 thriller or something like that. So uh, the last four matchups here, let's run through these real quick. Um, Arizona and San Francisco. I think San Francisco is probably the safe yep. pick there. Yeah. And yeah. the next one here could be fun on Sunday. Yeah. The, this one is Sunday night football, Dallas against the the Los Angeles Rams. Um, you know, two pow- big name organizations, big markets coming together on Sunday night football. Um, I'm taking Dallas. Where are you going on that one?
0: Yeah. Dallas roster, I think is the best in the NFL. And if Mike McCarthy can somehow coach not worse than Jason Garrett, uh, they should be, that's, they're going to be a real contender.
1: Yep, I 100% agree. Uh, the last two here are Pittsburgh at the Giants and Tennessee at Denver. I think I know where you're going with the Tennessee-Denver game. Uh, where are you going in Pittsburgh,
0: New York? I'll go Pittsburgh. Uh, they, you know, with Big Ben, imagine how they would have been last year, right? That defense is... Is right. no joke. Uh, they had Duck Hodges at quarterback for a lot of last year. So they're going to be really good this year. And then uh, I'll take Tennessee in that other game. Although I do like Denver this year because I think they have that 2017 Jags, 2018 Bears, 2019 Bills vibe where they don't have a great quarterback. But that defense is good enough to carry them against a weak schedule. That said, Tennessee in that game.
1: I'm going to take Tennessee and Pittsburgh as well. I do really like Drew Locke. I want that on record week one here. Um, I think he has the potential to be very good. I love his personality. The fire is so much fun to watch, right? Uh, But I do think that he will lose to Tennessee. Uh, And like you said, Ben Roethlisberger's return – uh, that's huge for this offense. <laughs> I mean, they basically were scoring 10 points a week. Now they can basically double that, if not triple that, with Roethlisberger's return on top of you know TJ Watt leading that defense. Uh, they could be a very, very dangerous team in the AFC. So uh, that concludes our picks for the week. We only disagreed on one matchup this time. I'm sure it will not be like that for the rest of the year. But... Um, but, uh, yeah, that wraps up our, uh, our first show for the 2020 NFL season here. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Um, like I said at the top, you can find us on The Daily Norseman, the Climbing the Pocket Network, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcasts. And uh, you can watch us on YouTube as well if you like. Um, but, yeah, so thanks for joining us, folks, and we will catch you guys next week.